Your On The Mark podcast is loading now. The On The Mark podcast is sponsored by the Sunbury Motor Company, family-owned dealership since 1915, 4th Street in Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia on Routes 11 and 15 Hummel's Wharf. News Radio 1070 WKOK presents On The Mark. It's a chance to voice your opinion on the events that affect life in the Susquehanna Valley. Call 1-800-795-9565 or email onthemark at wkok.com. Now, here are your hosts for On The Mark, Mark Lawrence and Joe McGranahan. Greetings. Welcome aboard WKOK's live telephone talk show, On The Mark. I'm Mark Lawrence. Mr. Joe is directly across from me. Lynn Hall is... Oh, no, No, check that. Sammy. Or Sam or Jammers, as I call her. Sammy says every Wednesday. Sam Tyler. Okay, that's true. Yeah, there is a sequence to it. It's not random. Okay, so that sets the scene for everybody except our special guest is here. First time he's been back in the studio in two years. David Rowe, the state representative in the 85th District. He had to check his boots before he came in here because I saw you at the farm show yesterday. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I was over at Ag Progress Days. Pull the microphone up. Oh, okay, but that was at the farm show, though, right? No, that was out in State College at the uh, the Penn State Ag. Progress Research Center. Boy, that's a so that background is portable. Mm-hmm. They take that different places. Wow, fantastic. Okay, yeah, a lot of superlative agriculture-oriented youth around here getting awards and scholarships and so on. So that's uh, this is one of the good things you get to do, right? Is go out and hand down. Oh, definitely. And now with the kind of with stuff. the new district maps, I'm picking up two more counties. It's two more county fairs I get to go to. Uh, two more <laughs> livestock auctions I get to support the kids at. So you know, two more sets of rabbits I get to to get for dinner. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was just going to say. Don't yeah, tell me you eat the exhibits, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> eats Only the, the ones I pay for, Joe. Okay. No, at the far, at the Bloomsburg Fair, they say they eat the losers. Do they? Okay. <laughs> I, I'm not sure what that phrase really means, but in any event. Okay. Well, welcome aboard. You are well and thriving as the state representative. I still think of you as the new representative, but it's been four years now. It is. How time flies when you're having fun, right? So, right. And you're well? I'm doing very well. Doing very well. I'm honored to, to be running again. That. Uh, the uh, the next couple of years should be entertaining ones. Hopefully they are slightly less chaotic than the last couple of years. I'll say my first term was not what I expected it to be. You know, I came in immediately prior to, to COVID and all of the shutdowns and all of that kind of, that craziness was all prior to, uh, you know, hopefully prior to some return to normalcy. But well, we've got all of Snyder County now in the next, after the after January, right? Yes. Yep. The new maps will have the 85th district covering all of Snyder County. Linda Culver has been moved up into Montour County. Uh, I've been moved out of most of you Union County, with the exception of East Buffalo and Union Townships. Uh, and then I've, the 85th District has been pushed all the way west into Juniata and Mifflin Counties, uh, specifically Derry, Decatur, and Burnham in Mifflin County, and Fayette and Monroe Townships in Juniata. Create any problems for you as a representative? Uh, the only, the only pr- it's not necessarily a problem, but we do have to relocate our district offices. And unfortunately, a lot of us in this uh, rural area of PA, because of the way the maps were drawn, have to relocate our offices. Uh, and that's an unfortunate taxpayer expense, and we're going to have new staff and new offices, and I'm, I'm, I'm confident that we're going to be able to get to know their issues and uh, be able to address the problems that they have. It's just going to take a little while. There's definitely going to be a learning curve. We're looking at uh, putting some satellite offices out in Mifflin and Juniata counties. The uh, main office will be located in Middleburg, just off of Paxtonville Road, uh, so that's being renovated as we speak uh, and should be open, up, and running by September or October, but we'll keep you posted on that front. 
And we invite our audience, if you have a question for State House Member David Rowe, you can email us at onthemark at wkok.com or text us at 70236. We'll keep the phones tied up for the first 10 minutes or so while we kind of go through some of our questions. Well, the state of Pennsylvania, I wanted to start with that. You kind of have a situation here where uh, everything is different these days. So you came on board. You wouldn't know what a normal legislative <laughs> year is if uh, it, because you haven't been there yet, for one. So uh, state of Pennsylvania, governor's wrapping up. Folks are running. Or candidates are out there. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. It's going to be a fascinating year, I, I think, for sure. I, I hope people are paying attention to exactly what's going on in Pennsylvania, both on the state level and the and on the federal level. Uh, I think it's it's obvious that there's a very clear distinction <laughs> between the the policies and futures that are that are out there between the candidates that are that are running for both uh, for governor and for senate. Uh, I hope people make sure that they are getting out and voting. I uh, met with a uh, a Boy Scout the other week, and I do a lot of the the civic requirements with the Boy Scouts. They would have to meet with one of their local elected officials, and I always ask them, you know, what is the single most important uh, uh, right or a duty that you have as a citizen? Uh, and I'm happy to say that almost every time they get it exactly right, and they say it's it's to go vote. Uh, and so if, if our young people know that, I hope our, our, our adults that are of voting age do too. Well, Dave, what are you hearing from your constituents? What what are the, their biggest concerns these days? Well, I think it's it's I think we all know very well what the biggest concerns are. It's it's not surprising that most people are concerned about the economy. They're concerned about gas prices. Uh, you know, back during the Trump era, we had uh, payroll and uh, people's wages. They were outpacing the rate of inflation, which is exactly what you want. Uh, now we are seeing quite the reverse, where we are seeing, even with all of these stimulus checks handed out by the federal government, you know, most people at most got a couple thousand dollars, but the average uh, cost of living for the normal uh, Pennsylvania family went up over $5,000. Uh, so most people are still definitely in the red, with select few exceptions. Uh, and people are smart enough to realize that you cannot spend your way into prosperity, you cannot legislate your way into freedom, uh, and, and so by only doing less spending, less government intervention, are we going to be able to correct this problem? I don't know if how much the federal government has to do with all the inflation and gas prices. We know that they have a role in it. There's just no argument about that. But in Harrisburg, when you see inflation too high, can you say to your colleagues or peers or the governor, hey, we got to do something about this. This is what it's going to be. Well, we definitely had a series of inflation-related hearings with the House Majority Policy Committee a few weeks ago, uh, and a lot of the presenters gave excellent testimony, and the recurring theme was, on the state level, there's not a whole lot we can do to combat inflation. It's mostly a federal issue. But what we can do is we can ease the pain of inflation. And the biggest way to ease the pain of inflation is to shrink, or definitely not expand, uh, the size and scope of state government. Not increase spending, not increase registration fees, not increase licensing barriers. Those are the sorts of things that exacerbate existing inflationary issues. And gas tax holiday, did that get talked about? The gas tax holiday didn't get, uh, didn't seem to get much traction. Uh, and I would like to see a permanent reduction in the gas tax. Uh, a gas tax holiday sounds really good on paper, but without meaningful spending cuts to accommodate it, you just end up with a larger budgetary deficit. So I would prefer to see a permanent long-term cut, uh, both in the state budget and in the gas tax, so it can be a sustainable reduction in state well, spending. Look at what's going on again, again this year, with the turnpike Commission, another 5% rate increase, and they're required to give millions and millions of dollars to PennDOT and for other projects. Isn't that kind of just like robbing Peter to pay Paul? Do we need some long-term solution? Absolutely it is. And I mean, anybody who is a who works in the private sector who understands that you cannot spend more than you have. Uh, and unfortunately, in the government, it seems uh, that that is never an issue because there's always more money to take from the taxpayers, right? But unfortunately, that's not the case. As we see, Pennsylvania is uh, growing at a much slower rate. We saw we lost 
another congressional seat this last census. As more and more people are moving to states like Texas or Florida, where they have no income tax, where their uh, barriers to licensing are much lower. Uh, we just had an energy policy hearing uh, out in State College yesterday prior to uh, my visit to Ag Progress Days. Uh, and the uh, one of the testifiers pointed out that in Texas, they're building a, a brand new rare earth mineral processing mine with a hundred year lifespan. It's going to create countless jobs, a massive investment in the state. And he said that just simply could never happen in Pennsylvania because the regulatory environment is so much more strict. In Northern Union County, last year, we had a company that pulled out, left, went to West Virginia. They were going to uh, invest in Great Stream Commons, uh, but they said it's going to take half the time and cost half as much for us to operate in West Virginia, so we're just going to go there instead. Whose fault is that? The legislatures or the governors? I think it's the growing, massive growing bureaucracy, and I will say there's absolutely blame to share. Uh, I have voted against licensure expansions, licensure requirements, fee increases time and time again, so the legislature certainly has, has blame to share, uh, but the majority of it comes down from the governor's administration, a lot of these bureaucratic entities that have sort of run away with their power, where we see entities like the bridge tolling issue, where we see things like Reggie, uh, which all of our neighboring states that are part of Reggie were entered into it legislatively, uh, but Governor Wolf decided to enter us into it unilaterally. Uh, and for those who aren't aware, Reggie, this re regional greenhouse gas initiative, is a $700 million energy tax. So we talk about rising costs of heat and oil, electricity generation, all those things. Well, with an additional $700 million tax, it's only going to drive those already uh, challenging utility bills to meet. It's going to drive them even higher. Are we done with that conversation about reducing the state legislature? We kind of did like a little fakey vote on it, and then, and then it got vetoed because it wasn't done right. I would still certainly be supportive of that. Uh, I, I think probably because this, legisl this uh, legislative session is coming to an end. Uh, we only have a couple more weeks of session before the year starts over, and all of our bills you know, uh, have to start from scratch. We have to start everything over again. I'm, I'm assuming it is probably done for this legislative session. Uh, I, I would be fully supportive of that. You know, the uh, expansion of the legislature to a full-time one is one that happened during the 1968 Pennsylvania Constitutional Convention, uh, where they expanded us to a full-time legislature, where they uh, shifted control of the Legislative Reapportionment Commission that draws the maps to the Supreme Court. Uh, and so all of that happened back during the 1968 Constitutional Convention. Uh, and so I think that would probably require another one in order to fix that, uh, because legislatively, I don't see the, there being an appetite to get it done. Well, the governor of Pennsylvania has not indicated that he would support anything like a, a parental bill of rights with respect to education. We pumped a lot of money into education, and now Representative Stephen, uh, Stephanie Borowitz is trying to get the state to back off of, uh, I guess, what she calls gender identity issues. What, what kind of rights should parents have in, in determining what is taught to their kids, and how big of an issue is this in Harrisburg? I think parents should have every right. Uh, you know, parents need to have direct oversight, direct control over what and how their children are learning. Uh, and we saw down in Virginia, you know, a state that was solidly blue for years, we saw that uh, shocking flip based simply on the issue that the Democratic candidate said that he did not believe it was parents' right to have a say in their education. And that single issue alone, based on exit polling, was what flipped the race in favor of the Republican candidate, Glenn Youngkin. Uh, so I think pa parents in Pennsylvania deserve to have every right to have every say in their in their child's education. And that's why I'm a firm supporter of school choice. For a lot of students, the government-run schools, they work great, and they the children thrive there, and that's wonderful for them. For other students, maybe they struggle with mental health issues or bullying, or maybe they just aren't thriving in a government-run school setting. So there are alternative options for them, whether it's homeschooling, private schooling, parochial schooling, charter schooling. Uh, but education is not a one-size-fits-all option, uh, and every child deserves access to an excellent education, and that's why I'm a firm supporter of school choice and parental rights. How about the money we throw at it? <laughs> it seems like it's endless, right? Every year the governor comes back demanding more and more money uh, for the, for the government-run education system. Uh, but Pennsylvania 
Pennsylvania does not see a, you know, a linear correlation with that as far as our improvements in test scores. So clearly the system as it is currently, the status quo is failing our students, and that's why we need to do better. How do we stack up with other states? Do you know? Uh, I could give you the exact percentage, but we're nowhere near uh, the, the percentage that we should be for the amount we spend per student. We're one of the top 10% states when it comes to state uh, spending per student, uh, but we're nowhere near that when it comes to academic performance. Yeah, I have a nephew who was in high school during the pandemic, junior and senior, and now in college, and he says so it, we missed a ton of momentum during the pandemic to prepare kids for college, and he says some of his peers say the same thing, you know, because they were doing the home learning, and they certainly learned some, but nowhere near what they could have. Absolutely. I mean, the, the number of students that have come to me and remarked on how much they feel like they've lost, how far behind they are, I mean, the, the, the test scores themselves show it, uh, but I think that's why one of the uh, big reasons to support school choice is a bipartisan across the aisle issue. I remember very clearly last year, I uh, talked to two two women, One both were mothers, one was a very right-leaning Republican, one was a very left-leaning Democrat, and both of them supported school choice. The Republican said she was supporting school choice because she did not support her school's mandatory masking policy. The liberal woman told me that her uh, she was supporting school choice because she didn't support her school's non-mandatory masking policy. Mm-hmm. So it gave both parents the opportunity to say, you know what, this option isn't working, I'm going to find what will work for my child and I'm going to run with it. Uh, so that's why it's a bipartisan uh, across-the-board issue, because parents uh, deserve to have a right to say what their children are learning and how they're learning it. As long as we're taking on controversial issues, what do you think about the future of abortion in Pennsylvania after Roe versus Wade being overturned? Will anything change? And if so, what what will change and how will it change? So we have the constitutional amendments coming up, which are, there are going to be series of them, uh, and one of them specifically states that there will not be a, ta- a right to a taxpayer-funded abortion. Uh, and the reason that uh, we are doing that is because in several states uh, with uh, very uh, radically left-leaning Supreme Courts, uh, Planned Parenthood has used the, the legal system to uh, to define a constitutional right in state constitutions to a taxpayer-funded abortion. Uh, and so in Pennsylvania, we are trying to preempt that by saying, look, there is not a constitutional right to a taxpayer-funded abortion. Now, that amendment, which will be on the May ballot if we pass it again next session, that will not change any of the existing statutes in Pennsylvania. Uh, now, Joe, you know that I, I firmly believe that life begins at conception. I believe that we need to protect life all the way from uh, conception until natural death. Uh, but I also believe that we have to be uh, realistic about supporting the mothers that might find themselves in a challenging position. Uh, and that's why I also have voted to fund real alternatives in Pennsylvania, uh, which is a, uh, a pregnancy care center. Specifically, they are located in more urban areas where they provide mothers with resources, prenatal needs, whether it's clothing or baby formula, counseling or adoption services. I think it's important to fight the legal fight to protect life, but I think it's also important to support the practical way to make sure that those mothers and fathers have what they need to take care of their child. I've said on the program that I I don't see us ever getting anywhere toward resolving this issue unless we can agree on at least a minimum floor. For example, uh, in my case, I might draw it at health of the mother, uh, rape, and incest. Is there any feeling for that those kind of exceptions to be carved out in Pennsylvania, or you know, is everybody that you're dealing with opposed to any type of abortion? Well, there's a wide variety of opinions in the state house. I wouldn't want to speak for any of my colleagues, uh, but I do believe that life does begin at conception. Uh, and while obviously in, in the issue of a, if the life of the mother mother is at issue, that is something that only the mother can decide, right? Because we cannot morally ask someone to give their life for somebody else. That has to be their own decision. Uh, but in all other instances. 
when we are talking about ending a life, uh, if it is one of those tragic issues of rape or incest, I mean, we're talking about something that's less than 1% of the of the uh, instances of abortion. 99% of those are, whether to due to financial issues or due to issues of convenience, or in some issues, it's uh, children who, uh, mothers who just can't take care of the child. And that's why I've supported uh, entities like Real Alternatives or Save the Storks or even our local pregnancy care center, because I understand the reality that not every mother and father can care for their child. So we need to make it easy for them to to choose life for their child. We need to provide them with the resources that they are able to choose life uh, and that they are able to uh, you know make make the decision that is that they can live with themselves. So you say no abortion except for the life of the mother, but uh, rape or incest that's not an exception you agree with? I, I do not agree with ending ending the life of a child simply because they were conceived in something tragic. Okay. Uh, I, but I, as I said, I do believe in supporting the mother throughout that and that's why I voted to fund real alternatives. That's Senator Mastriano's position. Are you a Senator Mastriano supporter for governor? Absolutely. I think given the, the current state of things in Pennsylvania and things on the federal level, uh, we need somebody that understands that the, the size and scope of government needs to be drastically reduced if we are ever going to get out of this uh, downward inflationary spiral, if we're going to stop seeing spikes in energy in the energy crisis. Uh, you know, the, the governor tried to zero out the lie heap funding to support seniors during the budgetary process right at a time when, uh, when uh, rates are skyrocketing and heating bills are impossible to meet. Uh, and so we need somebody who understands the issues challenging not only our seniors, but also the taxpayers of Pennsylvania, the ratepayers, the people who foot the bill for the government. All right, last question before a break. In how do you hear your many constituents who say, no, we should have abortion up to X number of weeks or these exceptions or or your, your pro-choice constituents, you know, which would maybe be about a third of, of your constituents say that. How do you hear them? Well, I'm, I'm willing to have the conversation with them, but I think that the understanding my personal and uh, you know, implacable belief is that life does begin at conception. And so if, if somebody comes to me and asks specifically, well, we should have it marked at six weeks or 12 weeks, my question always to them is, is, is why, right? At what point does it not become a life? At what point is it not human, right? If you, if you put all the ingredients of a cake in the oven and you're baking it and somebody comes in and throws the cake on the floor and says, hey, you ruined my cake. And you say, well, it wasn't a cake yet. Well, it was going to be. So, so that is that is my thought. Good when, analogy. <laughs> right. So when people come to me and say, well, it's not a human yet. Well, it's going to be the day that it's born. And so to anyone who says that, you know, well, as long as we terminate it before six weeks, it's not human. Just defies logic. And you, 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 you know you're on safe ground as a representative to your district. Most of it feels that way. So you're representative of your district in those views on abortion. Oh, I believe so. I, I believe I absolutely okay. am. And I'm, I'm very grateful to, to have a district with constituents. So many of them uh, share my, my value for the sanctity of life. I agree with you. All right, we're going to take a quick break. We'll open up the phones. David Rowe is here, state representative. We have to ask about this gender identity um, primer that's given to teachers, but it has a series of suggestions that go far beyond just to what you might hear in a classroom. So uh, we'll talk about that. Uh, there's certainly other things that we can discuss with David Rowe, state representative, 1-800-795-9565. You can email us at onthemark at wkok.com or text us at 70236. Include the keyword OTM. There's something to be said about a sale with a handshake, a service technician who really knows what he's doing. They can explain it in English what the problem is. There's nothing better than having that friend you could trust in the area. That's Sunbury Motors, where you get selection, knowledgeable salespeople, and prices that fit your budget, and more important, that friend you can trust. Welcome to Sunbury Motors, Kia, Ford, and Hyundai. 
You could shop other dealers and compare prices, but at Sunbury Motors, you get their lowest price promise. They research the current used vehicle market and guarantee their used car prices are the lowest. If you find a lower price, Sunbury Motors will beat it. Three dealers, all in one. See their full new and pre-owned inventory at sunburymotors.com. Pick out a vehicle you like and schedule your test drive online. Follow them on Facebook. Sunbury Motors Ford and Hyundai, North 4th Street, Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. All right, Joe was kind enough to ask about municipal police ra- radar off mic, and his representative David Rose says he will support that if it were to pop back up again, but with, it won't. With the bill with a because of our highly dysfunctional state legislature in Harrisburg. But that's well, you might as well just insult Dave right to his face. Well, it's not, it, it was it, it was busted when you got there. Right. I, right. Well, I'd support I'd support it with the amendment included, just to clarify. Yeah, it's not it's not Dave's fault. In fact, he's made some improvements down there, including bringing melodic intervu- interludes to the Capitol Rotunda on more than one occasion yeah, with his uh, piano playing skills, so we appreciate that. And you're a church organist, right? Yes, yep. I, not or- I, I, I did take organ lessons, but getting the feet involved was a little bit much. Uh, trying to get my hands to do what I want them to do was challenging enough, so I'm just oh, the church just, pianist at this point. Pianist. Okay, well, fantastic. <laughs> Alright, we got one of our callers on the line, Mike from Bloomsburg. Just a quick moment to, with the state representative. You have a suggestion to improve state government. Yeah, I do. I think uh, Pennsylvania's number one export is college-educated children. So I think what you guys need to do down there is take the position that the best social program is a job and do everything you can to make this economy stronger, make it business-friendly, and just, you know, kind of get back on track. Try to match what the other states in the South are doing, trying to improve their economy, instead of trying to be like the woke in California and New York and Connecticut. All right, he's heard you. Thank you. He'll respond. Take care. Yeah, thanks, man. Yeah, I think that you you make an excellent point. You you say that our number one export is students, and you couldn't be more right, because Pennsylvania does have several esteemed uh, higher education institutions, but the problem is most students that either come there to attend or or grew up here and attend ultimately end up choosing to leave the state. Uh, And that comes uh, down to the fact that, uh, like I mentioned earlier, our state is getting older and smaller and poorer simply because our regulatory environment, our licensing burdens chase away the job creators. Fortunately, we were able to pass a cut of the corporate net income tax rate, which at 9.99% was the highest flat rate in the country, uh, and no business who wants to invest in uh, any state is going to look at that and find that appealing. Uh, there was another process that we were trying to get done this year, ultimately it didn't happen, was to shift all of the state funding uh, to the non-preferred universities like University of Pittsburgh or Temple, rather than funding them directly with taxpayer dollars, to create create a, uh, a, uh, a Pell Grant style program that would allow uh, students in Pennsylvania to take those dollars to whatever uh, institution of learning, whether it was a technical school, a vocational school, or one of those universities. Uh, but one of the caveats would have been that they would have needed to live and work in Pennsylvania for a minimum of five years afterward. Uh, so so he has uh, th- your call. I'm sorry, Mike, Matt? Mike, uh, Mike, Mike, Mike I'm sorry. Mike, your point is excellent. Very well made. It's something that I firmly agree with you on. We need to do a much better job of keeping our young people here. Let me uh, ask you this question. We've had had a lot of talk on this show about how, I guess, nasty the public discourse has become. (laughs) 
How are you guys getting along in Harrisburg? Is there hope? I mean, can we work across the aisle? Can we get things done? You know, are we going? If we wind up divided again with a Democratic governor and a Republican legislature, will anything good come out of that? Well, as I said earlier, you know, I uh, I give a lot of tours to to student groups, you know, whether it's homeschool groups or, or government school groups or uh, Boy Scout troops. Uh, and one of the things I always point out to them is that it does seem, from a outside perspective, that everything is just cutthroat. Everything is vitriolic. Uh, but the reality is that's only about the 10% of things we don't agree on, where the 90% of stuff that we do agree on just doesn't get any press. I mean, most of the bills that will run in a day will end up passing unanimously uh, simply because they're non-controversial issues, they're, they're general housekeeping things, uh, but of course those don't get any press time because those don't get likes and shares. Uh, there's uh, several bipartisan issues, as I, as I mentioned earlier. Uh, issues like school choice are, are definitely bipartisan issues, as we have you know uh, representatives like myself who think that every student should have an excellent education making sure that they can go where they need to go, where the parents think they would excel. Uh, and then on the flip side, you have representatives from Center City, Philadelphia, uh, where the schools are not doing well, there are high rates of violence, low, late, low rates of literacy. And for the same parents, those parents, same reasons, those parents know their kids need something different. So those those uh, representatives from deep blue areas also end up supporting school choice. Uh, a few weeks ago, there was a bill that uh, would have expanded uh, civil asset forfeiture in Pennsylvania. Uh, and I am a, an opponent of civil asset forfeiture. I think it's a constitutional violation to presume guilt instead of presuming innocence. Uh, and I was able to uh, pull a majority of Republicans and a handful of Democrats across the aisle in one of my amendments to strip the forfeiture language out. It just barely failed. Uh, but it was an example that we can have a very robust conversation across the aisle still on many issues. They're just not the issues that get press. I noticed that you still have a stenographer in the state house that when you have a remark or somebody else that normally she's just clacking away. But when you step up, she's like, <laughs> she's like trying to. Keep up, it's crazy. You you talk fast. Is this your normal? Do you always talk this? I, I get told that all the time. I okay. get I told it all. I, I think it's my brain trying to keep up with my mouth or vice versa, well, and neither of them are quite connected. You got it wound up. Okay, no <laughs> argument there. Uh, gender identity. You want the State Department of Education to not warn teachers. Oh. What the heck happened? We're out of time. <laughs> Can you stay five minutes after? Absolutely. All right. Great. I'm sorry, I just totally ignored the clock. Sorry, folks. You're supposed to be running this ship. <laughs> Sam points to me and says, you're in charge, Mark. Okay. All right, well, to be continued, we'll be right back. David Rose agreed to stay. Uh, he and some other legislators concerned about gender identity references that are in that's in uh, some policy manuals. This is WKOK Sunbury. News Radio 1070 WKOK presents On The Mark. It's a chance to voice your opinion on the events that affect life in the Susquehanna Valley. Call 1-800-795-9565 or email onthemark at wkok.com. Now, here are your hosts for On The Mark. Mark Lawrence and Joe McGranahan. All right, well, welcome back. It's not only the lightning round, as it always <laughs> is, as we uh, finish an interview with a good elected leader around here, but it's also a bonus round, so David Rowe agreed to stay. Uh, the, the quickie, the gender identity issue, State Department of Education has sort of a primer for teachers that if they hear certain references to gender identity, uh, binary, and things like that, they know what they mean, but of course the definitions aren't 100% agree. 
agreed upon, you know, what they what they say they really mean, you want that stricken from the policies or revised, I guess? Well, the issue doesn't stem from just uh, the, the primer that is intended to be as a definition. The issue stems from the also along that website, it provides guidance for teachers to encourage children to practice being gender neutral, to have days where they reject their biology, and so where little eight-year-old boys and eight-year-old if girls... If a teacher chooses... If a teacher chooses to, to right. Uh, but th- that's the sort of thing that... Look, I'm, Mark, I'm not denying that gender dysphoria exists as an issue. Of course it exists as an issue, and the, the tragedy of it is children who are diagnosed with gender dysphoria have a 20 to 30% greater chance of committing self-harm or suicide later in life. And affirming these, uh, uh, these mental health issues does not help them. The data has clearly shown that whether offering puberty blockers or sterilizing surgeries does not decrease those statistics. In fact, it only increases them further. So what we need to be doing is making sure that uh, parents are the ones having these conversations with their children, making sure parents are the ones uh, that are addressing these complex issues, making sure that the children have the opportunity to speak to somebody who can assist them. You know, this last year's budget, we did increase mental health funding in schools significantly for that exact reason. If we know, then the data shows that mental health issues have a detrimental impact on children, but then we have our Department of Educating, de- Education not only defining, but promoting those sort of similar mental health uh, situations, that is something that I think a lot of parents would be very concerned to hear so about. So that should be revised. Um, uh, Route 15 tracks at Winfield. One of our listeners sends us a text that says, they, they say, I would like Mr. Rowe to fix those tracks. They want you out there with a shovel. <laughs> well, I don't think anybody wants me to go out there. I, I definitely wouldn't be the best guy to fix it, but I can report that Senator Yaw and I did receive a grant uh, for the Route 15 crossing, so that should be fixed uh, hopefully uh, later this year once everything is lined up and ready to go. And now, that would be a grant for the railroad company, correct? Uh, I Specifically the pass-through entity, I might have to refer to Joe oh, okay. on who the pass-through is, but the end result should be, should be a fixed crossing, and it, uh, it should actually be done correctly this time. Now, to sum things up, what is there we haven't asked you that you want to talk about? Well, well, it's always great to be here. You guys always have great conversation topics. Uh, I think uh, I'll just share one of my last legislative priorities, hopefully before this session wraps up, uh, and that is uh, to make sure we're taking care of our veterans, because we have in Pennsylvania something called the Small Diverse Business Classification uh, that gives some uh, preferential treatment for in regarding government contracts to certain groups. Uh, and earlier this year, uh, Governor Wolf removed veterans uh, from that classification. Classification. Uh, inexplicably, we tried to reach out to the Department of General Services, find out why, and there was no answer. Uh, so I have introduced legislation that has a, a bipartisan list of co-sponsors that will simply reinstate our veterans uh, as, as part of that small, diverse business classification. I mean, the number of unemployed or homeless veterans in the United States is, is tragic. Uh, and so making sure that they are set up well to be able to create businesses, start a life, create jobs, be entrepreneurs, making sure that pathway is easy for them as possible. And so I'm, I'm hopeful that we can get this done before the end of the year. But we don't want to just help, or do we want to help any business owner who happens to be a veteran who may be thriving and definitely in the black and employing many people? Do we want to give them uh, government money just because they're a veteran? Oh, it's a purely voluntary program. If, if people don't want to uh, go through the process, they certainly don't have to. I know most people choose not to simply because of the bureaucratic headache. Uh, but the the issue with what Governor Wolf did, and Marks, I you know that I have a, a free market guy to a T, where I would rather have no government information, no government subsidies of, of any kind, uh, but the issue with how Governor Wolf did this currently is because he, he stripped away the designation without any heads up, so we have multiple veteran-owned businesses in Pennsylvania that are uh, that are out multi-million dollars because they were expecting government contracts that now they'll be losing. So the, the process of how 
always done is the issue, and making sure that these veteran-owned businesses don't go belly up is the priority. All right, you got two emails. One, I'll just forward to you, but the first one is, what's your opinion of Senator Perry? Uh, this is Representative you, Perry, uh, yeah, I Representative think Perry's uh, con- U.S. Congressman's <laughs> phone being taken by the FBI. I, I think that what we saw happen at Mar-a-Lago is, is, is very scary. I think what's happening to Congressman Perry is as well. You know, it's, it's, interesting, it's very interesting times when, you know, disgraced former Governor Andrew Cuomo is, is the one that I think kind of gets it right when he's the one that said <laughs> the, state, the, uh, the State Department Department of Justice needs to be able to present something a little bit more substantive than just saying some boxes of papers for the National Archives. Otherwise, this action of raiding the former president's home undermines the credibility of the entire institution. All right. Well, Good to point. be continued. Thank you so Thank much you, for your Dave. visit. Appreciate Come back it. anytime. Call in with updates. And when the if Radar makes it out of committee, <laughs> please call Joe right away. He's <laughs> having a meltdown over there. Thank you guys very much for having me. Always Thanks, good Dave. to be here. Right, good to we'll see take you, a sir. quick take break. Care. We'll come back with headlines and open phones. All right, welcome back to WKOK Live Telephone Talk Show on the Mark. One of our listeners sent us a note uh, to read to uh, Representative Rowe while he was here. So what we'll do is we'll forward that to him without the last name of the individual, and then uh, we'll read it on the air here, but we kind of ran out of time. I want to tell you about a very fun place to be, the Sunbury Motor Company. It's where I pick up all the different vehicles that I get to drive around, and it's a great place for you to live, work, buy a vehicle, and work. You want okay. people to live there? Well, okay, maybe not. But uh, I don't a, know that they're set up for that. Well, they'll put a, a motor home out front for you, Joe. Okay. And, and it's a great place, though, and they would like more employees. So they are saying if you're interested in uh, finding out more about their entry-level technician positions, whether it's work in the quirk, or the quick lane or the quirk lane, trying yeah, to make sure your car has no too. quirks, car or light truck service, heavy truck service, body frame alignment, towing departments, great place to work, hundreds of people work there, so you're definitely not going to be alone there. They're looking for experienced technicians or entry-level folks who are looking for their first job or just a career change to go to sunburymotors.com or call up Todd at 286-7746. And it's the Sunbury Motor Company, sunburymotors.com, Ford, Hyundai, and Kia. They would just love to do business with you and help you out and make sure that you are super served by the Sunbury Motor Company, perhaps as an employer. So then you really are going to find out what a great company they are. On the Mark is sponsored by the Sunbury Motor Company. Check them out at sunburymotors.com. Toll-free line now open. Call us 1-800-795-9565. If you want to comment about something that State House member David Rowe had to say or some of his decisions and or policies or his representation, uh, give us a buzz. Or you want, we can pop into the Mar-a-Lago topic, too, or the Scott Perry phone getting seized or Doug Mastriano uh, getting a brief opportunity to tell the J- January 6th committee the what. For. I actually had a longer opportunity. He made it brief. <laughs> well, yeah, he gave him the what for, as they say. And so um, that we, we're enjoying open phones. So call us now, 1-800-795-956. When we have some emails, you can text us at 70236, include the keyword OTM, or email us at onthemarketwkok.com. Very brief news headlines here. Sunbury's Wetland Park is getting closer to reality at 6th and Ray Streets, about four and a half acres. Former Sunbury Mayor Kirk. 
Kirk Karlovich says they held a former groundbreaking recently for the Sunbury Wetland Ecological Educational Park, or SWEEP. Phase one involves improving the parking there. Then they'll do a fitness trail and get the Horn Railroad embankment squared away there so that that has an opportunity to be more attractive. The Wetland Park, more about that at WKOK.com. Now about uh, Doug Mastriano, brief appearance in front of the January 6th committee yesterday. Doug Mastriano apparently didn't have a lot to say to the committee investigating last year's attack on the U.S. Capitol. Speaking virtually after negotiating the terms of his deposition, the New York Times reports Mastriano's interview lasted 15 minutes. The Times says Mastriano refused to answer questions and threatened to sue the committee. Mastriano was in Washington on January 6, 2021, and chartered buses so other supporters of Donald Trump could also be there. Mark Sims, News Radio 1070 WKOK. He also did that uh, Gettysburg meeting with Rudy Giuliani, and President Trump called in to talk about their strategies for the uh, fighting the election results. Penn Live reporting that House uh, U.S. House member Scott Perry of Upper Dauphin County told Fox News that the FBI confiscated his cell phone Tuesday. According to the network, Perry said he was traveling with his family when he was approached by three FBI agents who had a warrant for his phone. He says, quote, they made no attempt to contact my lawyer who would have made arrangements for them to have my phone if that was their wish, unquote. Perry said in a statement to Fox News, I'm outraged, though not surprised, that the FBI, under the direction of Merrick Garland's Department of Justice, would seize the phone of a sitting member of the U.S. Congress. Who heads the FBI? He's a, still a Trump employee, though, right? Or Trump appointee. Well, they're appointed for a period of time, yes. Well, um, the head of the FBI, that's at will. He could get rid of him if he wanted to, and Biden could. But anyway, okay. Ray, so, Ray. Nicholas Ray, isn't it? Yes, no, that's Ray. right. Yeah, yeah, Ray. Ray's the right last name. Uh, my, He says, phone. my phone contains info about my legislative and political activities and personal private discussions with my wife, family, constituents, and friends. None of this is the government business. So I guess President Trump should have never appointed Christopher Ray to the FBI because look what he's doing. All right, he's investigating criminals. That's bad. And you fi- think Representative Perry's a criminal? No, I think he's under investigation for something related to January sixth and the fake electors, and uh, not only the fake electors, but he was also in on the conversation. Maybe it was his. I think it was his recommendation to put somebody else in as Attorney General that would be more amenable to acquiesce to the president's wishes. Right. <laughs> All right, finally, one other sentence or one other story. There's now a Florida school board that's arming their resource officers with AR-15s in the hopes of preventing another school massacre. Some parents at the Brevard County schools aren't don't like the idea of their kids being exposed to police officers that wear tactical gear, as many officers do these days. But the sheriff says he'll do absolutely positively whatever it takes to protect students, including uh, many of the officers. The school resource officers will have... Uh, their ARs with them. Earlier this week, a school board in North Carolina decided to buy AR-15s for each of their schools. That's a funny educational thing that you need these days, but hey, why not? Well, what would you recommend? You're always telling people they should pack all the time, everywhere, every circumstance. Students kind of get nervous around this, so I I think there's definitely something to this idea of, you know, what what, what the students see, you know, guns and AR-15s, so um, maybe there's a work around that? Maybe not. I'd have to study it a little bit more. But the teachers, you have to have armed people in the schools. This idea of creating these soft zones where perpetrators know they're not going to encounter guns for hours until there's a police response is 
not right. I mean, it's, it makes people vulnerable. Well, the problem is that, you know, thank God we don't have these every day. You know, as bad as they are, they're not everyday occurrences. And certainly the number of school districts that have them is rather limited compared to the total number of school districts. Mm-hmm. My concern is that people, you put those people in there with the guns, and sooner or later complacency sets in. You know, we go day after day after day after day, and nothing happens. Then all of a sudden sure. one day something does happen, and we've been lulled into a false sense of security. I think there are probably better solutions than armed people in the schools, but I'm not certain I know what they were are. Okay, well, yeah, maybe we have to keep the national dialogue going. And the NRA had key suggestions for what they call Yeah, turning them into prisons. Don't Is you remember what, those? Well, I, no trees within, f- like, 100 yards no of the school districts? places yeah, right. near the schools. Right, well, th- we had that suggestion here when we revamped security here and did the alarming and locking and the thing. Um, the bushes that were near the building uh, were hiding places for individuals. One tree that's gone now would have been a stepping stone to get to a second floor window or higher window. So, um, you know, the, the the person that did our evaluation said you might want to change that. You know, that would be on the list. So, fortunately, the tree was in the roof anyway, so that was not a big decision to, to change that particular thing. All right, one of our good listeners, when Representative Rowe was here, had this observation about these constitutional amendments that the legislature is using as a go-around to get around the governor. John says, I oppose circumventing the democratic process of checks and balances between the courts, legislature, and the executive by the GOP majority who seek to amend the Pennsylvania state constitution when the legislature is frustrated by this dynamic. This process is onerous as voter turnout varies on the timing and content of the main topic of any particular election. Please stop this effort to undermine our democracy and make your arguments to the citizens of our state during the general election. Additionally, the phrasing of the proposed abortion amendment is deceptive as the main portion of the amendment deals with public funding, which most citizens oppose to begin with. Okay. Well, I, I think under – John has this sign, somebody named John. And I think under normal circumstances, I would agree with you. But you have a governor that just plain vetoes anything that our legislature wants to do. And so uh, the legislature is representative of the people. The governor is not. He's just one person. So I think the collective representation of the legislature means that their opinions should mean something. Now, I happen to like most of the things that the governor – vetoed. So, uh, you know, in my opinion... You like the fact he vetoed them, or yes. you like oh, them and wish yes, he hadn't vetoed them? Yeah, I like the fact that he vetoed them. I didn't like the legislation. I just think it was, he did the right thing. And I think people put him in there to be a check on the governor, but I think that... No, he is the governor. Right. And he's to be a check, be a check on, on the legislature. Thank you. <laughs> and But I honestly think that this the system in Harrisburg right now is working perfectly. Legislator doing what they need to do, uh, doing an end around, a go around the governor under some circumstances. Uh, you know, I don't despise the fact that they're going to use constitutional amendments. I think it's how the legislature's been given an opportunity to to rule, just like the governor's been given an opportunity, was picked by the majority of Pennsylvanians well, to do I'm what he's doing. curious about John's opinion here. He says, I oppose circumventing the democratic process of checks and balances between the courts, legislature, and the executive by the major- GOP majority who seek to amend the Pennsylvania state constitution. wonder if he feels the same about the efforts among Democrats in Washington to do the same kind of circumvention by considering packing the Supreme Court. 
Well, oh, probably wouldn't agree with that. I think probably thinks that that. Well, he seems to be blaming the GOP see, here, but that's a democratic. I hate to say abuse. this, you know, I call it an end around, but end around is perfectly legal in football, and it is in Harrisburg too. It isn't. Uh, I, I don't think it does circumvent the democratic process. I think it is, in fact, the democratic process. These are permitted things. Again, I don't like the amendments that are going to come up when they're on my ballot. I'll vote no, and I think that what the governor vetoed in most cases, I happen to agree with this veto, and I think our legislature is uh, onerous and too conservative and trying to impose their morality and will on people in, in a manner. In many cases, they shouldn't, but uh, uh, that's our, that is our check and balance, and it's working well, the fabulously. People, you say it's too conservative. Well, the people voted for these legislators. Right, but they also voted a Democratic governor to keep them in check, and that worked. Well, stop and think who the Republican opponent was of that Democratic governor. The first time around, it was a very unpopular Republican governor, who unfortunately, I think, did a good job, but hid in his office. You know, as, as he mm. said once at a meeting I attended, I'm not Governor Rendell. I don't go out every day and talk to the media. I stay in my office and do my job. Unfortunately, that cost Governor Corbett quite a bit. Well, I think, yeah, he was just unpopular. Plus, you recall we were in a recession at the time, so I think at the state level, people vote as the economy goes, so the economy was slowing. So I think they saw that. And, and I don't remember who ran against Wolf the second time. Do you? See how quickly we forget the... <laughs> <laughs> well, who ran against Governor Wolf the second time? Yeah, oh, that's I know. A, we'll have to figure that out. Somebody question. out in the audience will know. <laughs> Didn't make huge inroads. I believe the governor won rather handily. All right. Well, these are the issues of the day, so feel free to call or email us uh, your view on these uh, topics. One of our listeners says, a note says, good morning, gentlemen. Here's my opinion on what happened at Mar-a-Lago. It took nine hours and 30 FBI agents and 20 FBI cars to move 15 boxes from a storage room. I wouldn't advise anybody to use the FBI for a moving company, just saying. <laughs> See how quickly we forget Scott Wagner. <laughs> oh, ooh, I would have never thought about that in a million years. That was not tip of the tongue. Well, quickly about this email. Um, the point of having all the officers there and moving it, moving 15 boxes isn't the point of their their being there. The search is the point. That's like saying if you see your lawn service put a bag of clippings in the compost pile saying, well, I'm not going to pay you for three hours of work just to put one bag on the compost pile. Well, you're not paying for that. You're paying for the mowing and the care and the sweeping and the cleaning. Yeah, but don't you think that standing outside the president's house, former president's house with automatic weapons was a bit much. I doubt that they had automatic weapons. They did. There are pictures of them standing right there right, with them. Right. Those it was are like semi-automatic weapons. Well, They're probably AR-15s that well, I should probably don't go automatic. Okay. Well, they're rather impressive looking. And what would be the purpose of that? You know, do you, did they think the president was going to shoot them? If they it's came a funny into question his house, he wasn't even there. The funny question coming from somebody who uh, supervises a police department where they are quintessentially prepared in Shemokin Dam. I, I think FBI agents are ultimately very prepared for uh, anything that happens. So, All right, we got some calls coming in, so we'll go ahead and hit the break while Sam gets them screened up and ready to go. 1-800-795-9565. We will be right back. There's something to be said about a sale with a handshake, a service technician who really knows what he's doing. They can explain it in English what the problem is. There's nothing better than having that friend you could trust in the area. 
That's Sunbury Motors, where you get selection, knowledgeable salespeople, and prices that fit your budget, and more important, that friend you can trust. Welcome to Sunbury Motors, Kia, Ford, and Hyundai. You could shop other dealers and compare prices, but at Sunbury Motors, you get their lowest price promise. They research the current used vehicle market and guarantee their used car prices are the lowest. If you find a lower price, Sunbury Motors will beat it. Three dealers, all in one. See their full new and pre-owned inventory at sunburymotors.com. Pick out a vehicle you like and schedule your test drive online. Follow them on Facebook. Sunbury Motors Ford and Hyundai, North 4th Street, Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Welcome back to the KOK Live Telephone Talk Show on the Mark. We have asked for calls and received them, so we're going right to the phone. Stan from Danville, Pennsylvania. Thank you, sir, for calling in. Go right ahead. Good morning. Uh, so what happened to Mar-a-Lago, not yesterday, day before, was all political hit job, as we all know. We because do. <laughs> they've, been, they've been working with those supposed records through for the archives. The FBI, from my understanding, had been down there a couple months ago going through this stuff, looking at it. Now, all of a sudden, they had to raid to confiscate it? Really? And and the other thing is, I believe Peter Ducey from Fox asked Miss uh, Jean Kareen or whatever her name is, did Biden know about it before it happened? She, of course, said no, but we all know that's a lie because if the president, the current president, doesn't know that their DOJ and FBI are raiding the former president, there's something wrong. So maybe he forgot that they told him. I don't know, because his dementia might be setting in. Have you seen the video of, uh, I don't know what, what the little ceremony was, but Schumer was speaking, turned around, there was four people standing behind him, and Biden and Pelosi, I believe, were one of them, and he shook all their hands. He shook Biden's hand first, then he went to the next guy, then he went over the other two, then Biden still has his hand out like he wanted his hand shook. <laughs> You know, it's, yeah. it's like, wow, he forgot how he... But anyway, that's irregardless. But to say that Biden didn't know that it was going to be raiding a former president's home for some archival material? Really? Hmm. I, yeah, you know, it, Biden it, has been at the top <laughs> of this corruption crap for years. You know, before 2016 or 2017, when they had the Oval Office meeting with Obama, he's the one that brought up the... I forget what the law is, that they need to go after Flynn for it because of... Uh, dealing with uh, foreign yeah. and, uh, people, entities, before he's uh, actually in office. Something along those lines. I forget what the exact law yeah, is. Yeah, I forget what but that Biden's was, the too. one that brought that up. Yes, he was. I recall that. Yeah, so Biden's, Biden's been trying to get Trump for years, and they think they're going to do it this way. So, well, Stan, you know, it, it's just a political hit Stan, job. It, it as would... we all know, it's a two-tiered justice system, because Hillary skated, and that's partially Trump's fault. He should have pushed that she was held accountable for emails and her corruption and failing to abide by subpoenas that were issued to her for the for the information. Well, there's only so much at. he can do. I mean, he, you know, he can push for investigation and prosecution, but he can't actually do it. Uh, apparently, they didn't have enough to prosecute. Otherwise, I think she would have been during his tenure. But on the other hand... He destroyed evidence. That's pretty much... Uh, well, that yeah, that could be... I'm, uh, I, let's not re-argue that whole topic. She should have been prosecuted if that's 100% true and provable. You know, I think, you know, I think uh, somebody else might have done something something wrong at some point, some place, but if you can't prove it, then a prosecutor might not bring the charges. They're not supposed to bring charges that they can't prove in court. Right. <laughs> All right, we'll turn the mic over back to you for another minute. Go right ahead. 
<laughs> well, you know, things things will flesh out. But you know, it's look. At, you got to look at it this way: if they can go after a former president the way they were going after him, and you know, and they're hiring all these new IRS agents, who are they coming after next? Because eighty-seven thousand IRS agents, they don't need them to go after the billionaires and the millionaires in this country because there's less than eighty-seven thousand of them. Correct? Somebody, somebody posted a picture of a football stadium. I forget what stadium it was. I think it may may have been Nebraska, but it says this stadium would not house, would not hold all of the IRS agents that they're going to create. Right. And it know, really, where, it, the it, other thing <laughs> is, where are they getting all these people? Yeah, that's a good question. Where are they getting them? All right, we got you. These are not people yeah, that so. you can just pick up right out of high school. They have to have some kind of accounting knowledge, I would think. All right, thank you so right. much, Stan. I'll Thanks fly. for calling in. Thanks, Stan. One. You too, yeah, buddy. Appreciate that. Uh, Cindy, next up. Go right ahead. They're going to give the jobs to these illegal immigrants they're bringing in, all these <laughs> refugees. There you go. That's why they need them. <laughs> they can, they're going to do the jobs that Americans don't want to do. Remember, Joe? Nobody wants to audit their neighbor, get the hostility about being an IRS agent, so they're going to bring in these foreigners to do it for them. Yeah, but we might but not I'm be able to understand to say, them. <laughs> I'm sorry, Joe. We might not be able to understand them since they all speak Spanish. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, that's not important. Okay. Um, and even mentioning that makes you a bigot and a, you know, every kind of ugly word. And unwoke. What, that Hispanic people speak Spanish? I don't think that's yes. bigoted. Yes. Oh, no, it does, Joe. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm sorry, beat. but I have to tell you that even questioning whether or not that's a legitimate thing to do is, is a... It's under the new catechism of yeah, our we, country. We beeped Joe when he said that. Yeah. That Hispanics <laughs> piece, we're not so I, I failed the wokeism test. Right. Yes, you did, once again. <laughs> but, and let me just explain to the audience who never calls in that there's a, there's a difficulty communicating on the phone because you lack the visual cues that the other person wants to speak, which is why you hear so often all of us stepping on each other. Mm-hmm. I just want to explain that to people because when I listen... That's not clear why that keeps happening. Well, they can't but hear us either. what I wanted either. to say was... Oh, sorry, Mark. Go ahead. They can't hear us either. That's the other issue. <laughs> right. Um, but what I wanted to say was I actually support what's going on about the Pennsylvania Constitution. Sadly, as far as I'm concerned, in our state, we don't have a referendum power as citizens to change our Constitution. We, as citizens, have no power to change that Constitution. The only people who do are the legislature. And if that Constitution, and I don't believe that while it was predicated by people who acted hopefully in good faith and put down principles and generalizations that have stood the test of time, it isn't carved in stone. It's ironic to me that the same people who support seeing the U.S. Constitution as kind of a holy grail that you can uh, change ad lib and read through all these stuff, they get all puffed up about when somebody wants to change the Pennsylvania Constitution. Well, The good news is, in a way, we have a process. The legislature passes constitutional amendments. And here's the part I like. It comes back to the people. The legislature has to pass it twice. And then it comes to the people. That's a pretty high mark. And then the people have to agree to it. Isn't there a it's plain not an English easy thing? You know, it's not like I read a letter to Joe and Joe takes it down to the governor and they go, "Oh yeah, let's just put that Cindy amendment in there." That's that's not an all easy thing to do. Isn't so there a plain I English any method oh, for making on. modifications? <laughs> Isn't there a plain English? component to this too that the amendment has to be written in such a way that what it will actually do is clear. 
Yeah, and they just published it in the paper this last week, the amendments that have been proposed with the explanation to... And by law, interesting that the Wolf administration learned their lesson. Remember that they failed to do that publication, which defeated an amendment. They flagrantly violated the Constitution when they failed to make that publication, and therefore it couldn't go on the ballot, and it killed the amendment. That was just inexcusable behavior on the part of the Wolf administration. Well, whoever did that should be fired. Oh, wait. They were. Well, they she let was. her retire. <laughs> well, she retired. Okay, well, yeah. So she we don't get her fire pension. people in government. We just let them take their pension and, you know, go home. Move on. Which is patently ridiculous. You know, Mark, you've asked me on what should we do about this. Well, the first thing we should do, as far as I'm concerned, is we should start firing people. If you don't do your job, you get fired. You know, working in a in a uh, organization for which there are no consequences for failing to perform does not serve the general welfare in any way shape or form it only serves the members of that community who know that they're basically immune from accountability and that's not a good thing well that is we, not a good thing when we fire them we should at least give them a participation medal i don't think <laughs> well, i don't think so <laughs> but, all right but we have a way to amend the constitution and i think we should be open to amending the constitution when we believe that that's what needs to happen and i'm delighted delighted that we the voters actually get to vote it and make the change now i realize that sometimes those votes won't be consistent with what i believe i i understand that you know but still the actual citizens have the say the final say on whether or not these amendments that have been proposed become law yeah and i think that's terrific that's right. we got you, Cindy. Thank you. That. That's the way the system should work, and yeah. it does. <laughs> Thank you, Cindy. Thanks, Thanks for calling Cindy. in. Appreciate your call. All right, uh, Chris, next up. Got another caller waiting, but you go right ahead, Chris. Uh, I wonder if uh, Scott Perry believes in a two-tier system of uh, justice. <laughs> one for him and one for the rest of us. Why, why do you say that, Chris? What, is, what has he well, done? Because, they, because they, a congressman, they took a congressman's phone and had personal stuff on it. I mean, who, who, what, anybody has personal stuff on their phone. They get a phone confiscated in a legal situation. Well, let me, you know, they right? bring up, Chris, you bring up an excellent point. But on the other hand, let me, let, I'd be interested in your take on this. Maybe there are things in that phone that are legitimate targets of the search warrant that was issued. But what happens to the other stuff? Somebody has to go through everything to see what's there. And if they learn something that's detrimental to that person because of his personal correspondence, should they be allowed to make use of it no, or should no. they be and penalized? Th- and that happens all the time, that police find a, you know, an illegal gun in the house where they're searching for pot and only pot, you know, where they can't do anything about it. And in this case, they're probably looking for text messages that relate to either the Secret Service or the President during Phone the insurrection. And text messages. Right. And so, and, what, and they'll look through phones, but they won't look through his photographs or or they're not supposed to anyway. How do you know? Maybe there are photographs of, of uh, the insurrection on there that he, he took. He wasn't there. <laughs> well, okay. He was organizing that I heard. But afterwards. that's true of everybody else, too. That's not just true of him. Right? What, I'm sorry. I, you everybody lost me else. There. What, what do you mean? Yeah, what do you mean, Chris? I mean, anybody else who gets arrested, that's also true, right? Yep, this is how it works. Yeah. It's, it's, a, it's how the system works for everybody. It's how it should work. 
and and I don't know why why Trump uh, would be immune from such things either. Everybody's saying everybody's uh, equal under the wall. They wanted to go after Hillary Clinton, and they did. Well, one of our good listeners right? makes. One of our good listeners makes a good point. Says President Trump has a copy of the warrant. Let's see it. Yeah, and so I mean, does Scott well, Perry. I said that yesterday, Scott Perry if, does if, too. If if you want to, if you want to, he he can release it if he wants. If right. It, it shows anything that's bad, he can release it. Now, does his copy have the affidavit or just the cover page where it says what they're looking it just for? Has the, it has, has just what they're searching for. Just that much, okay. You don't get the affidavit until you're arrested for something. Okay. And then you have right to see the affidavit and the information that was used. Gotcha. But until then, you just have the, the right to see the, the what they're looking for. Okay. Fair enough. All and right, we got you, Chris. Thank you so much. And I, I, do you know what role uh, uh, David David what role David Rowe had in the, the false electors? I know he pushed a lot of the phony information stuff. Hmm. I don't know if he was involved in the, the phony electors stuff or not. He's probably disappointed he wasn't one of them. Possibly. <laughs> Pretty conservative, so. Yeah, yeah, don't know. Ask him that if he's on again. Well, we sent him an email that somebody sent to us, so we could forward that question, too. Okay. All right. Thank you so much, Thanks, Chris. Thanks, Chris. Appreciate the Bye. call. All right. Have a good one. one 800 We'll take a quickie break. When we come back... Oh, we lost our fourth caller. Well, yep, but <laughs> Sorry. We'll, we'll call back. Redial. This is a short one. We've just got to pay a couple bills here, and then we'll be right back okay. on WDK. Okay, but call us, 1-800-795-9565. You can email us at onthemarkatwkok.com. Welcome back to the KOK Live Telephone Talk Show on the Mark. Oh, we don't have any callers lined no. up, so Peg, call us back. 1-800-795-9565. Got some emails. We'll Tom brings up an interesting point there, and we should probably touch on that. Both uh, Congressman Perry and the President were given copies of the, um, um, you know, the search warrant, what they were looking for. I certainly think that they could release that. You know, then we'd know whether or not there was some validity to it. I mean, if, if you're going to claim that it was a witch hunt, well, then show us the broomstick. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember looking at search warrants that they would issue at the magisterial level from officers. The cover page is something that you leave with uh, the person you're searching so that they have a sense of what you're leaving with. And then as the, as the police leave with these things, you can claim that certain things that they might be taking aren't on that list and that they're, you know, overtaking, uh, over, <laughs> over seizing your stuff. And then, uh, but we don't get a look at the affidavit as reporters in Pennsylvania's magisterial system uh, until until the police bring the search warrant back to the magistrates, and then we can get a look at it uh, in many cases. Now, a lot of times the magistrates still keep them sealed, but you can fight for them and, and try to get them unsealed, and that usually is successful. But on the federal level, it might be different, but in any event, you're right. They do have the cover page there. That much is the same at federal and local, and that's that the cover page indicates what they wanted, but President Trump's not going to say what they were searching for, because he says he already gave it to them, and uh, Scott Perry's not going to do anything 
anything that could be viewed as participatory in the whole but I process. But I find of the two, I find the taking of Scott Perry's telephone more troubling, his cell mm-hmm. phone, because there's a lot of personal information on your cell phone, your contacts, you know, um, emails you send from the family, your wife saying bring home dinner tonight or something like that, things that have absolutely no relevance. And someone has to go through everything to determine what, what does and what doesn't comply with the search warrant. But in the meantime, they can't unlearn or unforget the things they've seen or the things they've read or the pictures they've seen. Right. It might be running an illegal soda importation operation or something <laughs> to people like you. Well, but the, you can't, you can't, that's, isn't that the po- uh, fruit of the poisonous tree if right. you're, yep. you can't, find something there? Can't that, look at it. Right. Can't do anything. Upper right-hand corner, Joe. Says, Perry should have been entitled to the Hillary Amendment. He should have been able to remove all personal data before the FBI could confiscate his phone. Well, the problem with that is how do you guarantee, let's suppose he is a miscreant of some sort, just for the sake of argument. Uh, how do you keep him, how do you make certain that he doesn't release or delete relevant information? If he hasn't already. If he hasn't already, yeah. All right, uh, upper right-hand corner. Wolf got elected for one reason, marijuana. <laughs> there is the electorate's priority. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's medical marijuana. We still don't have legal marijuana, so Governor Wolf failed on that topic. Hey, well, man, we're, when we get Fetterman, yeah, we're going to have it, yeah. Joe has some, but he's the only one. Uh, let's see. This is the email that related to House member David Rowe. It says, I oppose circumventing. We read that. The, the whole thing. Yeah, okay, the whole thing. All the way, top to bottom. Doesn't, okay, didn't it sound familiar to you? Uh, well, I've read it about four times, so... Uh, I read it on the air let's once. Let's see. Hold on. Do not read that. Hold on. Do well, we have a call. We could take the call. Yep. There you go. This one. All right. The network news has photos of the FBI with taped boxes being loaded onto vans. By a quick count, it looks like at least 30. All right. 30 boxes. All right. Dan, you're on the mark. Thanks for calling in. Hey, good morning, guys. I don't know if you gentlemen can see this or not, but the FBI over the last years has becoming nothing but an arm of the Democratic Party. They're enforcing everything against the Republicans they can find, but far as the Democrats, it's all mostly overlooked, just with the case with Hillary and her emails. What she destroyed was were classified. They had a big C on them. But she denied she didn't know what it stood for. So you're seeing, in other words, the FBI is gradually becoming the Gestapo against Trump Republicans, against anything to do with Trump. That, that, that's a pretty, pretty strong statement. I would not call the FBI Gestapo-like. Yep, they're they're operating under that legal way from the upper echelon. You look what they did to Randy Weaver out in Idaho. They shot his wife, baby, and the dog. You look what they did at Waco, Texas. They burn up the compound with all the kids in there. They're be- they're they didn't start... Wait, whoa, whoa, whoa. They didn't start that fire, Dan. It was started by David Koresh. The no, FBI they did not start the... It. No, That's they didn't. <laughs> That's fake media news. <laughs> no. Come on, they Joe. want you to believe that. Uh, they started it. And there's you can't get around it, Joe. I followed that very close. Yeah, the fake news media wanted you to believe that. But the FBI started In other started words, they, can, they believe what the fake news media 
believed and what the FBI that that Koresh was a born-again Christian. And they didn't know it was mostly a cult. But he had the right to religious freedom. And they, again, it was against religious freedom. Well, who was it who fired those? Who was it? Who was it who fired those guns at the agents who were trying to execute a lawful search warrant? All right, let's skip yeah, 1993. Something, first. something must have happened first. since then. <laughs> the agents fired first. I see. Well, it's all right. It's all yeah, the FBI's see, fault. The F and you and right now, look how they're after try, every Trump Republican. And even some of the other Republicans are coming out and starting to say, hey, this isn't justice. You're hearing, like, the governor in Maryland and some of the other ones that are, are lean towards wokeism. They're seeing the injustice. <laughs> it means it's woke, woke-ish. It's wokeish. So whatever it is, it's, yep. it's not very woke to me. Right. It, it's socialist communism. That's what you're seeing. But do you can you agree at all? It don't matter if you don't. I don't expect you to. That the FBI is becoming an arm of the democratic establishment. Can you see that at all? Well, do you see that the Secret Service is becoming an arm of the Republican establishment? Supposedly they were covering up for Trump. Uh, well... Uh, is that yeah, possible too? Oh, so that's what they say. But of course, the other side—if they're Democrat, if they're going after the Republicans, that's bad. If they're going after Democrats, that's good, right? Well, how they don't ever go after Democrats? Oh, they get away caller. with everything. Okay. All right. Thank you that's so much, the way Dan. It's been. Look at Joe Biden and his son. Hunter. Look at that. Hunter. Hunter. Nothing's being done about it. Oh, that's not true. There's two investigations. we got to hit the road, though, they Dan. They won't go anywhere. They won't go anywhere. All right, well, we'll see. I hope he gets arrested. You guys have a good one. <laughs> you yep, thank you, sir. Thank you. Uh, one of our good listeners who's familiar with the legal process says, actually, search warrants can be expanded. If you do a search warrant for, let's say, drugs and you discover child pornography, then we'll go to court and get a separate warrant authorizing the search and seizure of the child pornography in order to make a seizure of that. It is permissible to, um, if you find something blatantly illegal in the midst of a search for something else, to expand, the, go back and start over with a new affidavit and a new search warrant. Doesn't sound fair. But what's your probable cause? The fact that I was looking at something I shouldn't have been looking at? Oh, that the fact that an <laughs> officer was legally in the building and saw something clearly no, illegal. No, no, we're talking about a phone. We're talking about somebody's personal property. If yeah. I have a, well, that, phone, that, we house, can debate car, that later. personal, on your person, whatever it is. All right, Bob, you're going to get the last word no matter what, so make it a goodie. Go right ahead. Well, as far as the phone goes, it's, if it's a personal phone, that's different than if it's a government-owned phone, which is provided by the government. Well, that's you shouldn't be doing any personal information on a government phone. I think he's indicated that this was his personal phone. That's what he said, yeah. But you're right. If it's a government-owned phone, they have every right to it, I would think. And what I understood is they got 11 more boxes out of Trump's property yesterday, oh, or the other day, whatever day it was. So yeah. he's really cooperating with them, isn't he? Well, if there was a subject for debate about what was in those boxes, whether or not it would qualify under the the uh, Presidential Records Act, 
that could be a matter, that could be what they were negotiating. But if they felt that the president wasn't in good faith dealing with them, I guess maybe they had a right to get a search warrant and look. And is the family or anybody there allowed to, like, take pictures of what they took and stuff like that? They should be allowed. You know, they threw their attorneys out, and I don't see how they could do that. It's my home, my personal residence, and if I want my attorney to there, I don't see how the FBI can say to them, don't let him in. Well, and, that's and they also told them they couldn't take pictures. And that's Trump people and his attorney saying they were kicked out at you don't know that that's They also right. told them they can't no take family, pictures. If sometimes. there was no family member there or anybody that had power of attorney or anything like that, how could they stop it? Why so, were they going through his wife's closet? Well, they could have hidden something well, in the closet. I don't think they were going through his clothes, per, her what, clothes per se. It doesn't matter what room they look at. People hide place. People hide stuff in attics, and, you know, people hide when the cops come <laughs> from, they run to the attic or in the closet. If I had a piece of paper to hide, bed, I'd, I'd I hide mean, it in You my, can put anything anywhere. I'd hide it in my wife's closet. You'll never see it again as long as we both shall live. It's gone. <laughs> All right, Bob. Thank you so much for calling in. Yeah, Have thanks, a good Bob. day. You're Take welcome. care, Bob. Right, uh, read at David Rose speed here on the right. I bet the FBI doesn't really find anything. They will plant something there. Who witnessed what they were and weren't doing? No one. No one was allowed to be present during their raids. So what would stop them from slipping something in there to incriminate the Donald? What a disgrace on the part of the Democratic Party. They are so petrified he will run again and right this ship. They will do anything to put the gas on fire to delay it. Think about this. If they slip something in and Trump denies it was there, how long will this crap hang in the courts? Again, anything to delay the Republican Party from being where they should be, head of the House of Representatives, head of the Senate. This Democratic Party is so corrupt. Banana Republic doesn't even describe strongly enough what they are doing. Anyone watch the story on Nancy Pelosi's family? Ha ha ha! She and the had the audacity to sneak Polly Jr. along with her late on her latest trip. Why? Well, Polly Jr. is doing exactly what the hunter does, running some corrupt investment scam to benefit themselves. Talk about corrupt. That pile of losers, i.e. Democrats, need to go. Get that one, Tom. <laughs> <laughs> Tom, I guess, called somebody out. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. Well, the t- you know, it's it's funny the investigations continue on their own time frame they don't have politics involved uh, but the timing is uh, not really ideal yep, we're out of it. time so <laughs> we're going to uh, see everybody tomorrow we have another guest tomorrow on our show via telephone I believe right you will have